There's notes on the back table. We sent out notes. Uh, we also have been passing out notes that are notebook ready on Wednesday nights if you need them. But look in 2 Corinthians, this first chapter. I want to just read a couple verses and then I'll let you go. I just want to pray that this will be a blessing to your hearts and these words will speak life into you because they are the words of life. 1 Corinthians 1, 3, Blessed be God, the Father, the Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just start over. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The New American Standard says, The Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Oh, this is just so good. Just one more verse. Who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we are able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And you know what? Since we're talking about the word comfort, let me just read two more verses. For just as the sufferings of Christ and ours in abundance, so also our comfort, there's that word again, is abundant through Christ. Verse 6, finally, but if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. And I might as well just conclude this little section with verse 7. And our hope for you is firmly grounded that as you are sharers of our sufferings, so also are you sharers of our comfort. Here's what I think Paul is saying here in a nutshell, which I pray will be an encouragement to you on Mother's Day 2016. Many of us are going through things just like Paul. We're afflicted, whether we're afflicted or assaulted financially, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, family-wise, socially. We're all under some kind of assault in our lives. Maybe we're in school and we're, we're being afflicted academically. Whatever it is, you know, we're near the end of the school year. Finals are coming up. There's all kinds of things that are coming against us. Paul said that. Paul is basically saying to the church at Corinth and to us today, that's nothing new. Whatever your problems and struggles are right now, it's nothing new. It's been going on for centuries, millennial, no, no doubt. What he is saying is, is that God gives us comfort. It is our job to give one another comfort. And I love the word that he uses. That he, I, matter of fact, I looked up this word in the Greek, afflictions, because I wanted to really understand what he was saying. And I found out that there were about 10 basic words for the word suffering or affliction. In this particular context, he uses this one that, that actually it's translated, it's translated affliction. The word in, in the Greek is pathema, like kind of like pathology or pathos, uh, disease, uh, a disease or, or, or suffering of some sort. Uh, the same word is used in Peter, 1 Peter 1, 11. We've talked about that before. But, but, what, I, but I, what I love about the understanding of this word is that it actually, it actually means narrow or confined under pressure. In other words, our sufferings, our afflictions are really pressure. It's squeezing us. Life just squeezes us. 
My son-in-law told me about this really great book, and I, I, I got it from the library. I wanted it so bad. They didn't have the audio version. I'm really kind of big on audio books because I like to listen and read books while I'm driving or working out or whatever. And I got this book called Effect, it's called Effective, Effectualism. And, and Effectualism, it's a, it's a book. You can get it at the library. It's available because there were other copies. And the, the point of the book is it talks about doing more with less. And I forget the author's name. I'm sure those young people that have their phones with them or mobile devices can look it up. But, but the point of the book is that he talks about one of the points that he makes in the book, which I think is very, very relevant to this. He says... How many of you have looked in your closet lately or at some point in time and saw clothes hanging up there or in your dresser and said, what, Why did I, what was I thinking when I bought this? What, what, where, where, where was I at mentally when I, what, what is this? Who, is this mine? Did someone give this to me? You know, you, you, you start looking at stuff either that you don't like anymore or in my case, don't fit anymore, or, or in the case, it's out of style, or it's, it's hideous to you now, or maybe you find that you have five pairs of the same, not just color shoes, the same type of shoe. And you're thinking, what was I thinking? Why do I, and, and it, in retrospect, it seems like all of this excess this surplus. You see what I'm saying? And sometimes we think more is better, but the point of the book is that he was saying, no, less is better. And he's advocating how to be more effective with less and learning to live with less and learning to, more importantly, he was talking about doing fewer things, but doing them better. And I thought about what Paul is talking about when he went over in St. Corinthians chapter 3 and he's saying about the simplicity that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, his, his point is we can be just as effective, more, more effective, more successful, more centered in our lives when we focus on fewer things, doing less, but doing them better. Involving ourselves in fewer things, but being effective. The old saying that some people are a jack of all trades, but a master of none. I think what we should learn to be is a jack of a few trades, but a master of them all. Doing less for Christ, but doing it better. Being the best, being successful, being at the top of our game, giving God our very best. And I'm a big advocate of that. As a matter of fact, it's my philosophy for pastoring this church. I, I, I've made a conscious, deliberate effort over the years for us to be, have less auxiliaries, less activities, less engagements at other churches and other things, less events, not to, to poo-poo things, not to be a, a buzzkill or a killjoy, but so that what we do, we will do it well. 
We will be prayer warriors. We will be Bible students. We will be effective worshipers. We will be great at service and serving and giving. And we will master these virtues. They will consume us. We will be effective at them. We won't try to be everything to the whole world. We won't try to have every single gift, talent, endowment there is and try to do, do 200 things or do 20 things. What if you, what if Believer's Bible Church and you just said, you know what, Lord, I just want to do my very best at this for you. I want to give you my best. Whatever my gift, whatever my calling, whatever my talent, whatever, whatever my, my emphasis or my aspiration is, I want to give it all to you. I want to sell out. I'm not going to try to be everything to all, all things to all people. I'm going to try to be my best for you, Lord, and give you everything that I have. And then Paul just says, you know what? I don't care what he says. For as our sufferings, he said in verse 5, and I'm almost done. He says in 2 Corinthians 1, 5, he says, For just as our sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance. I love that. He says, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. In other words, whatever comes our way, whether it's afflictions, whether it's suffering, whether it's persecution, God's comfort, his substance, his ability to keep us, to spare us, to preserve us, to sustain us is more than sufficient to cover whatever it is we're up against. And so with our lives, if we narrow our focus and we make our our vision more singular, more laser-directed, Toward, Lord, I want to be in your will. And whatever afflictions I encounter, whatever pushback I experience, whatever obstacles I'm confronted with, I know your comfort. If I'm focused, if I'm grounded, if I have a, just a, a zero-tolerance policy about getting off the beaten path and, and overextending myself in things that are not constructive, are not productive in your kingdom. Don't move the needle in terms of my spiritual growth. I'm going to cut those things loose so that I can be in the center of your will. Are you with me? Let me just give you the Monday morning moment because that'll be my last thought because I could say more about this and you'll see that there's more in my notes and maybe we'll discuss it Wednesday. But here's the Monday morning moment. I have... Remember who God is to you. And remember what God does for you. And, and I said that even before I started reading this book and thinking about being more focused and concentrating more on getting God's best, getting in the center of his will. I saw, I started, so listen, I started looking at these guys in Scripture, these guys and these gals in Scripture that God used, and I just see such a narrow focus. 
on what God wants from them and how God just exploded their lives. If you, if you look at Ruth, if you look at Ruth, Ruth, Ruth just simply said, look, please don't make me stay. Please don't make me stay here in Moab. I want to follow you. Amen? Your people will be my people. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. Your God will be my God. Your family will be my family. Where you go, I'll go. And may a worse thing happen to me if anything but death separates us. In other words, just a narrow focus. I don't, she didn't say, I want to do a lot. I want to go far. We want to conquer the world. We want to, oh, you know, we want to be this. We want to be, you know, you know, planet shakers. We just, right now, we just want to do one thing, and that's follow the will of the Lord. I want to be in God's will, right in the center of his will, doing less but accomplishing more, doing less but having more peace, doing less but having more commitment to that that I'm doing, more faithfulness, more consistency, more devotion. Amen? So I said in the Monday morning moment, just remember who God is to you. And remember what God does for you. Keep it simple. Keep it narrow. We get saved and we, we just want to branch out and do a thousand things. And we, we're running every which way. And we have all kinds of competing theories and, and models and agendas. No. Everybody, just pump your brakes. Let's just slow this train down. When we got saved, the day we got saved, I don't know if you remember the day of your salvation. I remember mine. I remember mine. I don't remember the exact day. I do know Ratch was close by. I know it was on a Friday night, and I know it was in the month of April. But I remember that day, the excitement that we had. The excitement. Just, just, I just remember just our, 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 thrill, our, just our energy about being saved. God had saved us. And just how excited we were. All we wanted to do that day was just praise the Lord. We just wanted to share the good news. We just wanted to exult in the Lord. Just that single excitement, just not a lot of busy work, not about joining this, joining that, doing this, going there, going here. It was just like, Lord, you saved me. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. I'm a believer. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'm a new person. You redeemed me. This is a new day. It's a new season. Oh, man. That, that, that's really what I'm talking about in the message today, getting back to that point. Paul just broke it down. He said there's, there's affliction and there's comfort. And when you're going through something, really at the time you're going through something, you know like I know, all you're thinking about right then is comfort, getting through this, getting delivered. Amen. And... That narrowness is what I believe God wants us to focus on. Let's go this week, going forward, 
We'll take it a day at a time. And I put down a verse, I put down in closing Job 120, because Job really broke it down. The New Living Translation says, if you'll put up Job 120, Andy, please, in the uh, New Living Translation, starting at 120, I'm going to go down to verse 22. But look at what it says, ladies and gentlemen, as I close. This is it. This is it. This is where we close. It says, Job said, this is after Job received the news that his kids were dead, his, his, his fortune was ruined, everything but his life was, was, uh, was, was, had dis, dismantled, become destroyed. He was in boils, covered in boils and pain. I mean, he's just basically just his life and his lives were just teetering on a thread. And he makes this profound statement. He makes this profound statement about the simplicity of what is called life. Job, Job stood up. He tore his clothes. Tearing one's clothes is basically a way of saying, I'm just stripping down. I am, I am, I am relieving myself of anything that is earthly, that suggests status. You know, clothes kind of like define you. You know, you feel like if you're wearing a certain thing or you're dressed up or whatever, you just, it's a covering, it's a way of, of, um, of, of, of basically sort of not pretending, but you're, 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 you're covering, you're, you're masking something. You're not completely naked. And when, when, when they would tear their clothes, they wouldn't necessarily go naked, but it was a way of saying, I'm just ripping and stripping myself of anything that's, that's not like you. I'm, I'm broken, I'm contrite, I'm, I'm repentant, I regret what I've done, I regret where I'm at, so phew, I'm just tearing stuff off. This is me, you got me. I'm as exposed as I can be without being, you know, exposed says that he just tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head. That was another sign of, of, of complete uh, contrition and, and, and uh, exposure and disassociating anything that's earthly. Verse 21, please, Andy. And he said, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave, and, and you know, the, how, how true is this? You know, we, we may bury people in clothes, but even this day, when you go through the embalming process, you're naked. It's just you and the funeral director. <laughs> you know, if you're cremated, it's just you and the funeral director. If you're buried at sea, it's just you and the ocean. Eventually, it boils down to we leave this world the same way we came in this world. Ain't nobody leaving with no tux or three-piece suit. It may be on them for a minute, but it ain't going to be on them forever. Naked I came, naked I will leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Whatever we got, God gave it to us. It belongs to him. Amen. And then finally, verse 22, Andy, please. And all of this... Job did not sin by blaming God. I, I, I heard uh, Gerard Cherry, he's a former football player for the New England Patriots, say the other day on ESPN Radio here in Cleveland, he said, when he came in the NFL, one of the things that the older players would tell them, young rookies, is that, dude, let me tell you something. 
Your spot on this team, your spot in the NFL is rented. You rent a place. <laughs> you have a rented place here. In other words, you don't own nothing. You ain't going to be here forever. And you ain't all that because greater people have come before you and greater people will come after you. I don't care how many Super Bowl rings you win. I don't care how many MVP players you get or Pro Bowl invites you get. You are not the greatest ever. And your time is limited. And so the point was to realize that you have a narrow window. You have a narrow window to make a contribution. And we as believers, we have a narrow window to give God our lives and to give him our best and to be committed and faithful and be consistent. And so that's why I think we want to, as Paul said, when I'm suffering, when I'm in a, under affliction, God will provide comfort. And that comfort that he provides for me, I'm to provide for someone else. Doesn't matter what our status is in life. When we're under affliction, you're hurting. You can be a billionaire or you can be completely broke. But affliction is affliction. And their only relief is the comfort and the comfort that God provides is the only lasting, sustainable relief. Amen? I love that. I pray that it, it ministers to you. Deuteronomy 31, 6, 6 says, So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. Deuteronomy 31, 6. That could have easily have been the Monday morning moment verse as well. I love that passage, but I love Job because of where he was and what he did. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for those that are here on this great Mother's Day. We ask you, Lord, that your word will sink into our hearts and that it will connect at some, some level, that it will fire some synapse in our spiritual brains that allows us to see who you are and what you've done for us and what you expect of us. May we not fail you. May we not disappoint you so that one day we might hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over few things, so I will make you master over many Enter into the kingdom of God. Lord, may we all hear those words. May we not hear, I forsake you, I never knew you. Get hence from me. May we never hear those words of rejection, but may we hear the words that you accept us and that we are good and faithful and we are your servants. Narrow our focus this week. Keep us locked in on those things that are important to your heart. May we learn that less is more. May we learn that less is better. Whether it's material things, whether it's distractions, whether it's ambitions, 
may we learn to be content with that that you've given us because you've said godliness and contentment brings great gain. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.